For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, happy to be with you on the Believe Podcast Networks all around the universe. And always a pleasure as uh, we have one more game on tap on this Monday night to conclude uh, what seems like week number 21 in the National yeah. Football League. Well, what is it, Luby? Is this wrapping up week number 10? Uh, are we already into a number low? I want to say 10. Week 10. 11. Teams are like, no, 11, right? Yeah, they have uh, New England at 7 and 4. Yep. All right, very good. Uh, we welcome the show to help us out uh, with analysis on the National Football League, and then we'll have uh, some thoughts on our own. Uh, but this gentleman is always uh, right on top of things uh, and uh, always uh, innovative in his reporting for Yahoo Sports. He's a senior NFL writer, and we welcome to the program after hours here on Believe, Mr. Frank Schwab. Frank, how are you, my friend? Hey, what's going on? Everything's good. I mean, uh, it wasn't as torturous as it could have been uh, here in South Florida. We had to sit through the <laughs> broadcast of the Dolphins and the Jets, a once magnificent and glorious and bitter rivalry that sparked and ignited a lot of emotion here in town. It was very easy being a talk show host when the Dolphins would play the Jets, uh, whatever time of the season it was. It was a twice annual affair. And uh, the people would just get revved up uh, from uh, when the schedule came out right on through game time. Uh, for the second game and the final uh, gun being sounded. But um, that that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I would equate this uh, rivalry now with, uh, you know, maybe Lisa Renner gets riled up at one of her uh, uh, people uh, that she's uh, in an argument with on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, something along those lines. Uh, it really has lost its luster. But uh, it, it wasn't half bad yesterday because, once again, we were encouraged that maybe, and this is the magic question that plagues a lot of organizations, but especially this one, that Tua Tangabailoa can possibly play a little bit. I, I, I don't know. What, did you get, catch any of this game, Dolphins and the Jets? If you didn't, you were spared and uh, probably a good omen uh, going into Thanksgiving week. But what, what did you think uh, about the uh, situation there? We, we had, I mean, I, I gauged the game's importance by who the announcers are, and I think we had one of the Gumbles, maybe even Bryant, uh, Greg, was doing a game. And, and they're very low on the uh, totem pole there uh, at uh, the network. So. Uh, what did you think of all of that? And, and can Tua actually play, in your opinion? Um, did catch a little bit of this game. And, and yeah, Tua looks like he always does, where he's he looks like a solid quarterback. Now, that's the whole thing with the, the Dolphins have to figure out, okay, is this good enough? Is this – can we take this quarterback who I don't think is ever going to be a top-five guy, I don't think he's ever going to be an MVP candidate, but – He's not bad. I mean, he's the kind of guy who, hey, if we stick a good enough team around this guy, we can win a lot of games and maybe even make a deep playoff run. That's It's a fallacy to believe that you need a top-five quarterback to win a Super Bowl. That, that's not true. I mean, we've seen many teams at least get that far and, and plenty of teams win without a top-five quarterback. But you need to be really, really good around the quarterback if you're going to have a you know, middle-of-the-road guy. And the Dolphins have to decide, 
okay, do we do, do we play the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? Do we draft another guy? I don't think this is going to be the year to draft somebody. But Or do we just load up and say, hey, two is good enough, and we can win around him if we build a great defense, if we build a great offensive line. And I, I think I'd probably go for the latter. I think Tua is good enough. I, I think he's he's every time I watch him, he, he makes some plays. He's not dynamic. He's again, he's not Justin Herbert. I hate to bring that name up again, but he's. I think he is good enough. I think he's he gets he's people are so quick to just pile on him and, and say he's a bust and say he's no good. When every time you watch him, it's like, well, okay, he can play. He, he's He's got some game. He just he's just never going to be one of those elite elite guys. And I always sit here and I've probably asked you the guys the same question, and I, I think I know the answer. How would we view Tua if Justin Herbert went five and Tua went six? Like let's say there's an alternate universe where Dolphins pick six. I think we'd view him a lot differently. I don't think we'd be piling on him all the time. I think we'd be saying, "Oh, Tua's coming along fine. I, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's great, but whatever." But since he was one pick before Justin Herbert, who was a fantastic quarterback, probably is one of those future top five guys, we all are so quick to, to just criticize him and say he can't play when actually he's, fair, he's, he's good enough you can win with a guy like that. Let's put it that way. After the dismantling of the team, though, and uh, trying to position yourself to uh, grab one of those quarterbacks that was coming out at the same time as uh, Herbert and Tua, you thought, uh, yeah, just okay it really isn't what they were looking for. And uh, here were the Miami Dolphins in the midst of the third year of a rebuilding process uh, where they had uh, tremendous uh, so-called draft capital, all kinds of free agent money to spend, uh, got the quarterback that they had originally tabbed as uh, the uh, object of their desires in the draft, even though it was at number five instead of number one when they were trying desperately to lose every game in the true spirit of the National Football League, Frank Schwab. And uh, to, to be at this point, I mean, you had to think that the cracks were clearly in the foundation and uh, that uh, year three into this process is a disaster. And, and yet, n- now they've won three in a row, uh, albeit two of those uh, against really crummy teams, uh, and uh, one against the Baltimore Ravens, who, who uh, people uh, were seeing as somewhat of a juggernaut. So that was somewhat of a distinguishing uh, win for the Miami Dolphins. And, and they have a pretty soft uh, route for the next few games also, with the Giants on the schedule, the Jets once again, and uh, Carolina Panthers, who aren't uh, going that well. So there is a possibility that they could end up at seven and seven, which, uh, based on where we're at uh, when the team was one and seven, uh, you know, seems like a long way away. Would that actually uh, give some validation to uh, people who have been getting uh, just unceremoniously ripped in town here for the last yeah, I think several months? Uh, Chris Greer and and of course uh, Ryan Flores. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that a finish like that would help clarify things for the Dolphins to say, okay, uh, you know, we, we had this awful, awful start with some injuries, including quarterback and, but look at the way they finished. And this is kind of the team we saw win 10 games last year. And so I do think that would help. I think it would help to, I mean, I don't think they're getting back in the wild card race or anything, but I think that just a good finish, a good positive vibe going in the off season could change, you know, how you're thinking about, because I, I'm sure it's disappointing when you, basically tank i mean and, and that's what they did you want to see these grand results at the end and when you're just okay like the philadelphia 76ers and their famous tank when you're like okay well we could make the eastern conference semifinals people are like well what do we go through those years for then not to make the final four of the east it's to go win a championship and i think that right now if you're looking at it and where the dolphins are in their rebuild it should be further along it should it, it it should not have been, you know, one and seven at one point. So 
it has to be disappointing. It has to be horribly disappointing, actually, to be this, you know, this step in the process, which is still pretty, you know, pretty small step forward so far. Not a step forward at all, actually. So can you do something in the last seven weeks of the season that gives people some hope going into the off season that, Hey, you know, maybe that first eight games just was, was the outlier and, and we're going to get better from here. Maybe I, it's possible, but uh, you know, I think they'd need to, I think the people in Miami would want to see something to kind of rally around because yeah, it, a win against Baltimore is great, but at the end of the day, what if you, if you finish, you know, four and 13, I'm not sure everybody's going to say, yeah, this rebuild is going well. Like, I, I think that you definitely need to see something so you feel a little bit better going into next season. We're talking all things NFL here with Frank Schwab, senior NFL writer from Yahoo. Follow him up on Twitter, at Yahoo Schwab. And, and Frank, it's not only uh, the Dolphins, but the anatomy of a rebuild. We talk about it, you see the tank, and as we look deeper and deeper into it, the tank never seems to actually come to fruition for a title, it feels like. Yeah, you might get close. Yeah, you may be better. But if you're not winning titles or in title contention, how useful is it? Chris Greer was the guy that was at the helm for the tank, and it feels like I would say 80% of his picks have been totally useless, and they got rid of actual players for these picks. Can you see right. Chris Greer coming back for another year? When, If it's one of these other organizations where they do these rebuilds, like at what point do you junk the GM and realize, huh, the, re- the tanking really didn't work? Yeah, and that's the problem. I, I mean, and I think that that, that goes back into the, these last you know seven weeks of the season, how you finish, because I, if it gets bad, then you're gonna you gotta you almost have to point some fingers and get rid of some guys and say, why did this go so poorly this year? And again, you, when you tank, when you trade all these guys that basically tell the world, hey, we're going for the number one pick and two at the time, ironically, because <laughs> he falls at five, you're telling the world like. Hey, it's going to get better. Like, just li- just be patient with us because these these years are going to be terrible and awful and horrible. But we're going to come out on the other end good, looking good. And you know, if you again when you when you start one and seven, you're like, this isn't better. This is just a this is just this isn't even a tank. It's just bad football. So I, I think at some point Greer would be the guy, right? You'd look at first because I don't think you want to get rid of Flores yet. I don't think. After he had a really, really good year last year and had some positive things happen, I don't know that necessarily you want to completely reset, but it gets, you know, it's a, it's a tough road that now you're going to hire a GM with a coach already in place. And is there, is a guy going to want that job where, you know, the quarterback's already set and what are you going to do there? And I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think they'll probably be patient and realize not all of his picks have paid off yet, but they can, there's still time. And uh, he was there during the, the, the rough years and, and maybe he deserves a little bit of patience. I think that's, what's going to be the case. But again, if, if, if you go 14, 413 at the end of the year, something's got to happen. Uh, whether it's window dressing or not, you, you got to make some changes. If nothing else, just to appease your fan base and feel a little bit better about, Hey, this is, there's actually going to be some fruit at the end of this, you know, long, long journey. So we'll see. But again, it's hard to say because I think these final seven weeks are going to tell a story of really what the Dolphins are going to be doing, what they want to do going forward, and whether they feel like, yeah, this is going to be going in the right direction. We just had to get through that weird first half of the 2021 season. 
Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports Senior NFL writer with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby on the Believe Podcast Network. Jeff DeForest, Michael Luby, Lubitz uh, with you. A uh, couple of quick uh, wrap-up thoughts on that uh, whole topic of the Miami Dolphins, which uh, we probably uh, dwelled on a little bit too long here. <laughs> on After Hours, people are going to start drinking heavily. We keep talking about this bad team and uh, sort of hapless franchise. Uh, Chris Greer, better at tanking than uh, contending so far. That that would be true. And uh, no better coach after starting, uh, well, or after a seven-game losing streak than Brian Flores there you go. to motivate a team to uh, suddenly uh, rally. All right, let's uh, look around uh, rest uh, the rest of the National Football League with uh, Frank Schwab here on uh, After Hours. And uh, very interesting developments. Uh, you had the best offense in the league uh, going against uh, the worst defense in the league, right? Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, uh, you know, the, the overplayers uh, were dancing on their way to the windows out there. Uh, they had mariachi bands coming in with them. It looked like the entrance uh, of a world champion in a Don King fight uh, stepping into the ring in the Mandalay Bay. But instead, they were in the sports book <laughs> figuring, okay, uh, Kansas City is going to be able to put up some points because Mahomes is uh, finding a range after, what, five touchdowns uh, the previous ball game, And the Dallas Cowboys are going to run all over uh, this uh, defense of the Kansas City Chiefs. So it ends up, of course, 19-9. And, uh, you know, the uh, overplayers getting carried out in body bags uh, from the casinos, uh, Frank Schwab. And uh, it, it was uh, a very interesting development because uh, what happened to Dallas offensively and uh, how is it possible that the Kansas City Chiefs could hold anybody to nine points, much less the, the number one <laughs> yeah, offense great in the league? offense, exactly. Yeah, it's it was shocking to me. I don't think they got halfway to the over. I think the over was fifty six, and they got twenty eight points. So, uh, I mean, I would have the, gone ahead and taken the over. Yeah, right, yeah, right. And I, I think what we have to—I mean, the Chiefs' defense has played well now for four weeks, and I don't know exactly how it's happened, but here we are. I mean, they—they they haven't given up. I believe they haven't given up more than fourteen points in four straight games. And you know, it was like, okay, well, you shut down the char the Giants, but this is the Giants. Nobody cares about the Giants. They stink. And then it was, oh, you're facing Jordan Love, whatever. It's not, not a big deal. You know, the Packers are seven points. Then you go play the Raiders. I was like, well, the Raiders are just, you know, fading again, and that doesn't matter. But you hold the Dallas Cowboys out of the end zone. They didn't score one foot touchdown yesterday. You got to take notice. You got to say, hey, okay, God, yeah, give them some credit here. The, if the defense can play like this, and, and uh, you know they're not going to be a top 10 defense, but maybe top 20, that'd be a heck of an improvement from where they were earlier in the season. If they could be there, and the offense can come around, I, the Chiefs are going to be in, a, in this league where nobody's trustworthy among the contenders. All of a sudden, you'd be looking at the Chiefs saying, well, okay, they they weren't very good for the first half of the season, but, but they still have you know this improved defense and this really explosive offense. Maybe they can win another championship. It'd be crazy, but it's possible. So I think that you know the the fact that they shut down the Cowboys is kind of telling people, hey, the defense is not a joke anymore. We we could play some defense at least, and you know, if the, uh, the the problem might be the crazy thing is the problem might be the offense in many ways. They weren't very good on offense yesterday. They kept getting bogged down in the red zone, and you know couldn't really create any explosive plays again. And that Raiders game has really been the only game they've really come to life in the past two months, it seems. So we'll see what the Chiefs are. But yeah, I mean, just the fact that their defense isn't uh, just a sieve anymore is, is such a positive development for them. And you know, again, nobody else is running away with a Super Bowl. You know, nobody is a clear favorite. Nobody's unbeatable so far. So why not the Chiefs? They're just as flawed as everybody else. Frank, a team that wasn't supposed to be flawed. It's been a few years coming. 
Josh Allen was supposed to be the MVP candidate. They actually have a defense. Uh, McDermott's a guy that was a defensive guy. Uh, Bills are supposed to be everything, even special teams. And the Chiefs are supposed to cower in their wake. What the hell has happened to the Bills the last few weeks? Like, it looks like the yeah. Bills from two years ago, not the Bills we thought we'd see this season. I don't get it. I really don't. And, you know, even in their games, like even in the, you know, the Dolphins games they've played, I you look at sometimes you look at the final score and it looked fine, but if you're actually watching a game, you're like, mm. I don't know that the Bills are really that great. But and you're like, okay, well they they did win this game by 21 and they won this game by 40 against the Texans or whatever. Like, I guess maybe I'm being a little too hard on them, but then they play a real team and you're like, oh wow, yeah, this is the same offense I'm seeing in, in these other games, but can't bail themselves out late and win a game. And it's just been it's been a slog for them all season and. Yeah, it's, they they really aside from the win at the Chiefs, which it was, was a good win and a big win for them. They they don't have a lot on their resume that leads you to believe this is a good team. And all of a sudden they got the Patriots right on their heels. The Patriots are the ones playing good football. The Patriots are the ones that have figured this all out. They're rolling on defense. They're good enough on offense with their rookie quarterback. And you're wondering are the Bills even going to win the East? And I don't know that the answer is yes. I, I think that they're really. I don't know what happened to them because their defense has been pretty good all year, but the offense has just gone away. I I, I don't know. Josh Allen just kind of his one year deal with the Devils up or what? <laughs> but he doesn't look like the same guy, and, and you just wonder. You just I, I don't know. The, you're right, but the whole like the Bills are supposed to be the team, and I picked them to win the Super Bowl, so I've been waiting for them too. I don't know if it's going to happen. It, it hasn't happened yet. They looked terrible against the Colts yesterday. They got blown out at home, so. You do have to step back and wonder, maybe we just overrated the Bills the whole time just based on what they did last year and what we hope for them to be this year. Yeah, those that jumped all over the Bills and win a Super Bowl, uh, you know, are, are now gargling with formaldehyde. Uh, <laughs> that, that money that money is uh, quickly going up in smoke. Uh, all right, uh, who's more surprising at, at quarterback having success, especially as evidenced by uh, wins yesterday? Jalen Hurts. With Philadelphia or uh, this Heineke kid uh, with the Washington football team? Yeah, I mean, Heineke's been a fun story. But, I mean, he's up and down, and I don't know if Washington can live with that going forward. I, either of these guys. That, that's Both of these guys are, if you put on their good tape, you're like, okay, they got something here. This is pretty good, especially Hurts. Hurts has some great games. But then you put on the bad games. You're like, this can't. We can't do this. <laughs> this can't be. <laughs> yeah. You know, this this can't be what we do going forward. Like, so I don't know if either of these teams are going to step back and say, okay, we can we could get this guy a little more consistent. We can get the better games out of him more often than not, if we, especially build around him and do that. And that's going to be the issue. Can can they kind of live with the inconsistency and uh, live with you know they're good. These guys aren't going to just be rock solid for 17 games. I, I don't know, but I, I think they both bring something to the table. It's fun to watch when they're really playing well. It's just how often can you get these guys to play well? Is it two-thirds of the season, three-quarters of the season? Is it just a game or two they're going to be bad? Or is it going to be like half and half, kind of like they have been? And I, I don't know that you really have the answer to that question for either of these guys yet, but they're both, especially Hurts again. When Jalen Hurts is good, you you, you could really talk, tell yourself a story of, hey, this guy is second year and he could be really really good going forward. And I, I don't know. I think he's probably done enough, and we'll see in the last seven games, obviously. But he's probably done enough to get another year of Philly. But we'll see. He's got to finish with a little bit more consistency to kind of get the franchise to where there's just like, yeah, let's let's give Jalen another year. 
I gave him less shot of making it as a uh, pro quarterback than I gave Tim Tebow, which uh, was a uh, (laughs) very, very small percentage uh, of people. Well, I mean, I I was, uh, you know, not necessarily alone in thinking that this guy had no shot. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, Josh McDaniels, Denver Broncos uh, still uh, to this day may find that uh, regrettable and uh, was surprising that Urban Meyer with his obvious wisdom about how to win in the National Football League uh, didn't go ahead and keep the guy. On a roster, although uh, looking good in commercials. All right, uh, we always say this, uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, senior NFL writer, uh, here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby, Lubitz on Believe Podcast Network. But we say uh, all the time, I mean, the officiating has never been worse in the NFL. they got to get rid of these old geezers, uh, make these guys full-time, or whatever the situation is that can cause some kind of uh, ability to get an up curve and some improvement in officiating. Uh, would be welcome, especially now with so much on the line well, with the emphasis on gambling. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You're wondering if maybe the uh, partners there at the MGM Grand or Caesars aren't calling in or FanDuel or DraftKings saying, hey, hey, Raj, you better change the complexion of this game or we're all getting buried this week. And uh, that, that's not going to bode well for you in uh, future marketing deals. Um, the officiating, uh, especially, and they did this in baseball when they overemphasized the block call. That one year, they decided they were going to call box and get box out of the game, and it was it was horrible. I mean, watching baseball, they they ruined the game and they got away from it. And now with taunting and roughing the passer, two calls. I mean, are you finding it overly abusive the way these two calls are being invoked this year in the National Football League? And is it ultimately, in the long run, going to help the situation to where because you emphasize this, maybe there'll be less of it going on in the future, but. It does seem like this year uh, is the worst and most atrocious officiating we've ever seen in NFL history. Uh, it's uh, yeah, and a lot of that is is coming from the top. I, they give these guys so much to worry about, right? It's always we're going to emphasize this this year, and now we're going to emphasize this, now we're going to emphasize this, and and it's like well, yeah. these guys have a tough enough job calling, you know, is that holding or not? And the the taunting thing, I think, has just been it, it's one of those things where. It shows the NFL's disconnect with its fans. I don't know anybody who cares. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. You know, the, the whole the, the play. Yeah, right. The whole play with the Bears a couple weeks ago and Cassius Marsh kind of stares at the sidelines for a few seconds. There's literally, like, of the 10 million people watching that game, there's not one of the people at home going, oh, my God, that's offensive. Like, it's not. Like, it's just part of the game. It's whatever. We can know. We do know when there's egregious taunting and okay, like like that. Now you're getting out of hand a little bit, standing over a guy, pointing fingers, like whatever. Something like that that totally changed the game. I mean, they gave the Steelers three free points and they ended up winning on the last play on a field goal, so it changed the game. Nobody wants that. None of the fans want this. And but they don't. They kind of live in this bubble where they really don't know what their fans want. They they just think that oh, the we need to protect the children. You know, I mean, nobody. If, if, what are you talking? Like nobody cares. No, none of this is none of. It's just dumb. It is just the NFL being dumb and overemphasizing things that don't matter and worrying about things that aren't broken. Whereas maybe just simplify this thing for your officials who also they have a tough job. It is. I don't know how many people out there have ever been on the sideline for an NFL game, but when you go down there, you realize how fast the game moves. Like it is moving at the speed of light. And I'm surprised to get any calls, right? Honestly. And we saw how bad officials can be when we have the replacement refs. Like yeah. the NFL refs do the best they can. Like I, it's a, it's a very, very difficult job. And when you're asking them to do more and more and more and, and, and adding on things like taunting and nobody cares about, you're not, you're not making their jobs easier. So make their jobs easier 
don't have them emphasize things we don't want to see. Like one year I was like holding and we, we got like holding like every other play. And it's like, do you realize your product stinks right now? Because every other play is coming back where this holding, like it's, it's just the NFL just needs to take a step back sometimes and realize what its fans actually want, which I don't really think they have that conversation with themselves too often. It's kind of interesting too. I saw a flag flying yesterday and it actually said fan duel on it. They had the logo. <laughs> Right on the official flag. So uh, they're being very transparent about what's going on in the transition, transformation of the National Football League. Frank, always a pleasure, my friend. Senior writer for Yahoo Sports. Always great on anything concerning the National Football League. It's always a pleasure having you on our shows. And we thank you so much for joining us today on After Hours with Defoe and Loopy. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, Frank. All right. Thanks a lot. Always opinionated, uh, Frank Schwab. Well-informed also. But uh, you say that every year, right, uh, Luby? The officiating is just an atrocity, an abomination. I mean, there are calls in every game that you could probably look at, uh, any game in NFL history, and say, well, wow, if they had called that like they should have, uh, it might have made a big difference in a ball game. You had a jet receiver in that Dolphin jet game uh, get annihilated, and uh, there was no pass interference call. Uh, Salah was going crazy. Everybody was going nuts. Uh, You see it uh, in virtually all ball games. And uh, even last night, uh, Pittsburgh in their contest uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers, which uh, was a great ball game, by the way. Pittsburgh uh, 0 and 230 going into this ball game when trailing by 17 or more in the fourth quarter. That's crazy in all their history. You would you would think you know since they do go back to like uh, you know before there were railroads in America, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers organization that at some point in time they might have shut somebody out in the fourth quarter while trailing by 17, scored three touchdowns, won a ball game. Yep. And, and now you can make that 0 and 231. Yeah. Because after uh, brilliantly uh, taking the lead and, and just a bizarre series of consequences and events, uh, they, they uh, a- ended up taking the lead late in this ball game, uh, only to have Justin Herbert. There's that name again, Luby. I know. Justin Herbert. Uh, go ahead and, and throw, uh, you know, to a wide-open guy. Chris Collinsworth uh, was doing the uh, color analysis on the game, and uh, he was obsessed with the idea that had Minka Fitzpatrick been in the ball game, what, what was he out with, like COVID-19 or something, he, an he injury? Was, I'm not he's sure. He's heard of some kind, yeah. Okay. A- anyway, uh, if he was in the game, that never would have happened, that, that complete blown coverage. Probably not. Where, uh, you know, late in a ball game, you leave a guy uh, just wide open, streaking down the field with nobody, uh, even in the area code. My God. You had to dial halfway to San Francisco to find a uh, defender <laughs> for the Pittsburgh Steelers, known for, uh, you know, their tough, tenacious defense. So, yes. holy Troy Palomalo, man. Uh, what was going wrong on that call? Yes. Uh, that was ugly. Late in the game, uh, just atrocious to let somebody uh, get that wide open on a sideline and make it easy for Justin Herbert to uh, complete the pass that ultimately did in the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in that ballgame. But uh, a lot of exciting results. Uh, a lot of games being decided on the final play or two in the National Football League this year. Uh, whether I mean, usually it's by a kicker, but uh, more often than not, these games are coming down to the absolute wire. Tonight on tap, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up that loss to the Washington football team where they got trounced. And uh, they are taking on the New York football Giants. So uh, I, I'm getting 11 tonight with the Giants in my uh, oh, there you individual go. book bookmaking enterprise uh, <laughs> with my buddy Francesco. I need this one, too, because uh, I think he's three and five so far uh, on a week here. So this would be a nice, robust three and six, which uh, we would greatly appreciate. Uh, 11 point spread in that ball game. Let's go uh, where is that? Is that. Uh, yeah, is that uh, the Giants on the road there? And Tampa, so that doesn't help you out so much. But eh, Giants have played okay. 
It's a disaster, my friend. Saquon Barkley uh, supposedly coming back. I think he's uh, playing. I the yeah, I think he's going to play. Some of their uh, players back, so we'll see if uh, that helps them out at all and uh, helps me cover an 11-point spread. <laughs> That's all with, you need. Uh, Tom Brady seeing red yes, after last yeah. week. The Turkey Day games are on tap, and uh, we'll have some more steam on that later on in the week. Of course, uh, the dreadful uh, possibility of having uh, people that you don't really care to come to your uh, Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> come just on time to ruin the kickoff of oh. the Lions and the Bears, which you already have to drag yourself into the bedroom. Uh, yeah, I'm going to watch the game for a little while. <laughs> yes. Jeffrey, won't you come out and That's speak to your move. guests? That's the move. We have company. I used to hide in a room there as my a dad little kid. And I, I don't know if you did that. Luby. My dad Luby and I household. always did that because we just wanted to watch the game and no one cares about the game, but we did care about the games. Yeah. I didn't care about the game, but I just didn't want to necessarily see my, <laughs> <Deal> with <people. laughs> my rich uncle. Who could be a bit of a tool. No, may you rest in peace. He was a nice guy. He meant well, but he just he had too much money and he didn't know how to pay. It was crazy. <laughs> All right, so hopefully you guys are getting ready for a great Thanksgiving. We'll be with you again tomorrow here on the Believe Podcast Network. Our thanks to Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, for being yes, a special guest here on uh, what is a uh, football postscript Monday. There you go. We call it peeling yourself off the mat. That's kind of what we had to do after watching all of those games, uh, including uh, what was kind of a thrill in Manila. That was an interesting ball game: the Steelers and the Chargers last night. Yes, sir. Uh, now, is it me or, or the, the Chargers have no fans of their own? You <laughs> talk about redheaded like. stepchild. <laughs> it feels Pittsburgh like. scores and the place is going nuts. This SoFi Stadium right there in Los Angeles. Uh, did I get that wrong? Was that Heinz Field they were playing at yesterday? Because uh, you would have thought so. And that happens every time the Chargers are involved in a home game. Have you noticed that? Yes, that's it's, been the, uh, the talk. They don't have fans. Stan, Stan Kroenke, uh, the guy that built the stadium for the Rams, also uh, kind of interesting, Luby. Uh, we were talking about it on Ion Channel uh, earlier today. But uh, he's got the NFL uh, owners just absolutely in an outright cold schwitz, a cold sweat, because he's bailing on a previous implication that he was going to pay whatever damages are accrued and uh, gained and uh, won in court in a lawsuit uh, that the city of St. Louis has against the National Football League. And he was telling the other owners, uh, Kroenke, that, Dad, don't worry about a thing, man. I'll pick up this tab. <laughs> okay. And all of a sudden, he's asking everybody at the table for money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which uh, isn't good at all. All right. All right uh, so that'll be interesting to watch here. So uh, he's... Maybe going to become uh, a major Al Davis-like NFL villain. And while that's happening, he's got this stadium that, uh, I don't know, was that really built with his own money? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, then you really can't put the uh, you know onus on the guy for being a greedy NFL-owning pig. <laughs> but whatever he's done, I mean, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are uh, clearly uh, just a, you know a non-entity at all in the city of L.A., it's even though they have Justin Herbert, yeah. our quarterback, that we should have had with the Miami Dolphins because uh, then we'd actually have a chance of being good someday. All right. Um, that'll do it for us for today. Thanks uh, for tuning in, everybody. I'm Jeff DeForest for Mike Luby Lubitz. Great being with you on After Hours on the Believe Podcast Networks. Destination Sport Miami is here to revolutionize the sports landscape in South Florida. The largest indoor multifaceted sports complex in North America is on the way with distinguished leaders of its various sports programs and unparalleled access to the finest indoor training fields and facilities, Destination Sport Miami will set South Florida apart as the destination of choice for elite athletic training and development and for its dedication to youth programs and sports on all levels. 
A phenomenal concept and a powerful undertaking, Destination Sport Miami will also be an important commodity in the sports business community as well. Destination Sport Miami, it's time has come. Hey folks, Tony Segreto here. What if I told you you could go to a great restaurant, feel completely safe because their COVID protocol is unmatched, have an amazing meal, have a great time. When the bill comes, you won't get sticker shock. You're going to say, that's too good to be true. No, it's not, because I'm talking about Texas Roadhouse. Great family atmosphere, great atmosphere for a couple, great atmosphere if you just want to go by yourself and watch a game and have the coldest beer in town. And while you're doing that, have the best bread in town. All at Texas Roadhouse. Everything you get there is fresh every day and made sure it's served at your table, hot and ready to go. And the best part is you don't get sticker shock because the prices are amazing. Texas Roadhouse. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.